I'm Scott Warner, founder and CEO of Gig, and you're listening to From the Heart with Ed Hart. Morning, Scott. It's good to see you today, buddy. It's been a long time coming. Yes, sir. We've been talking about this for a while now. We have. I was just telling Scott, typically, I don't if you've watched or listened to any of the From the Heart episodes, I usually will dive right into the, the conversation. But in this case, I think I'll read the bio that I received from Scott, um, give you a little bit of an idea of the flavor of this man that we're about to talk with. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Scott's a serial entrepreneur. There's multiple meaning to that word serial, and you'll hear that in a little bit as well. <laughs> I, I love that. I just uh, I had my bowl of cereal this morning. Uh, his portfolio of success covers everything from tech startups to restaurants, from online blogging to film. He has a visceral passion for building companies that are innovative, profitable, and viral. A go-getter who never settles for less than the best, and I think you'll catch that in our conversation today. Scott has an uncanny ability to build teams who share his same vision. With over 20 years of sales and marketing experience, Scott is a natural leader who exudes confidence and energy. He has personally consulted hundreds of businesses and influencers. You didn't know you sounded so good, did you, buddy? <laughs> He's consulted hundreds of businesses and influencers on brand building and better utilizing the social media landscape. From restaurants to healthcare products to savvy tech, Scott has always had an interest in discovering and building startups that have true potential and uses his abilities to take these platforms to the next level. Currently, as he mentioned, he's the founder and CEO of Gig. We'll learn more about what Gig is here momentarily. He focuses on helping businesses better understand how to share and connect with the world using the Gig software. The Gig feature set provides stronger ways to align with target audiences and using quality content, strategic campaigns, and result-driven social media initiatives. Scott and his family, your wife, Mikkel, correct? Yep. Four kids, a dog named Dodger. We'll get into that. Uh, reside great. in or Orem, Utah. He's a Southern California native. I think that's where your passion for Lakers and Dodgers and other Southern California things probably started. You got it, man. Um, you'll, you'll learn in the next hour. Scott's inspiring. He's motivational. He has uh, hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. He will post things any, anywhere from his love of, his, of his, his faith, his family, his sports teams, music, inspiring quotes, uh, his passion for cereal, which I've already alluded to. Uh, I just think you're going to love this guy like I do. So Scott, welcome. Thank you for taking the time to, to be on From the Heart today. Just Let's just start by just, um, gosh, there's so many places we could start, actually, from, from gig to cereal to, to baseball to what have you. Let me just go right to the elephant in the room that I, I lead with most of the time on these conversations. I see that you're sitting in your office, I'm guessing up in Orem, right? Is that correct? Yeah, we, we actually just got into a new office space about, um, you know, a few, few weeks ago, actually. Yeah. But yeah, we're in Provo now. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. Tell our listeners who aren't familiar with the geography up there, um, where Provo is in relation like to Salt Lake and, and the significance of Provo. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so so Provo. I mean, a lot of people know Provo is Silicon Silicon Slopes. Um, you know, kind of like uh, you know, up in San Francisco. You know, in the Bay Area, it's kind of the new you know Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, right. And uh, so, it was a good spot. In fact, you know, we have Vivint literally you know 500 yards from here, and Qualtrics a thousand yards from here. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, both you know multi-billion-dollar companies and uh, just in fact, I have uh, good friends that, that work at both and run both. And, um, but right here in this area was just the perfect spot for us. It's, it's, it's really, uh, um, so it's about 45 miles south of Salt Lake. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great spot. It's kind of the, the happening spot, uh, especially with regard to business. And so, um, you know, a lot of people know Provo, Utah is uh, the, the city where Brigham Young University is. So that's about, you know, maybe five miles of the road from here. Yeah. And so, yep. So that's, that's Provo. All right. I spent two months there back in my day, back when I was 19 and preparing to go on, on a mission for the Mormon church at the time I went to Ecuador nice. for two years and spent. So the only time I've lived in Utah was those two months that I was in Provo. So the MPC man, that was, uh, I, I spent some time there as well. Yeah. Not the easiest place for me to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So, <laughs> now you went to, you went to Nashville, right? So I'm curious cause I know you have a passion for music. I've seen that through social media yeah, and yeah. through, so for those who don't know, I, Scott and I have been trying to figure out how we actually met. Um, we believe it might have been through Twitter, uh, but uh, we have a lot of very similar passions. If you know me, you know I love sports. I love music. I love my faith and so forth, as does Scott. Family's a driving force for both of us. Um, 
I'm curious though, where, and I know social media is kind of the big thing that you guys do with, with gig, uh, in addition to other things, obviously. Did your passion for music have anything to do with the fact that you served a mission in Nashville, or is that just completely coincidental? Not at all. In fact, and you know, forgive me country fans, country music <laughs> is probably my least favorite genre of music. Um, however, I did find a little love for it while I was out there. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it, it really didn't. Um, you know, I, and, and I've kind of mentioned this on, you know, on interviews or podcasts in, in the past, but I grew up loving music. Um, you know, my, my dad always had K earth One Hundred and One going on, yep. you know, and my mom always had kiss FM, uh, going on and, and, uh, and then all my other, my friends from, you know, school, they were, they, they were either listening to K-Rock or Power 106. So sure. if, you think about, if you think about all of those different types of music that I'm inhaling as a kid, right, yep. you know, and yeah. taking in, I just found a love for all of it. And one thing that is so interesting about me is I have such a versatile, crazy, you know, taste for music. I'm all over the place, it, literally from the hardest of hard rock down to, you know, the smoothest of R&B and, you know, jazz and anyway, so. Yeah, if you go uh, 10 I, songs deep into your into your iTunes, it's probably, it could be Mormon Tabernacle Choir to, to you know, Vanilla Ice to who knows what, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. I mean, yeah, it, it surprises some folks, you know, in music, it surprises some folks at how, how is it possible that you can listen to this? Because I, you know, I can listen to the heaviest screaming rock metal metal core stuff you know yeah to like i said you know soft smooth music you'll hear from delilah right so there you like, go right so it's yeah. it's uh it's all the above but i think one of the reasons i have such a passion or love for music it, it's my drug right and mm -hmm. it, it understands me and i can turn music on and it just it just puts me in the place that that i need to be you know um in many cases so do you have an earliest memory of your first album or your first concert or really where that, I mean, you mentioned oh, yeah. the, the influences from your mom and your dad and your friends. I have the same thing. I had Beatles in my house. I had James Taylor, uh, you know, you, you name it. We had that. I'm the youngest of five kids and I'm 56. So the music yeah. I grew up with was music of the sixties and seventies. And then my music became the music of the eighties. Any early influence as far as records or, or musicians? Oh man, I, I mean, where to start? I mean, I uh, I remember always having a tremendous love for rock music. My dad loves rock music. Uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, m probably is my favorite band of all time. Yeah. Um, but man, I have I have such a love for you know Stevie Wonder or Whitney Houston. Um, you know, some of the greats uh, from the, Aretha Franklin, um, the Beatles, Beach Boys, and you know, and then and then you get into you know, my first concert ever was Green Day. Um, yeah, that's a whole fun story. Uh, always was sneaking out. Sorry, mom and dad. They, they yeah. did this. We were sneaking out all the time to go to shows. They caught us once because the band was so heavily, you know, overcome by smoke that, <laughs> yeah. that we were at a, you know, a show that yeah. my dad's like, where the heck were you guys last night? Yeah. And we told him because we felt like we should, but, but yeah, I, I went to tons of concerts as a kid. Um, yeah, man, I, I would imagine that I was listening to music in my mom's stomach, you know, being exactly. carried by my mom, right? So, yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah, I had that experience. I Staples Center used to be a client of mine uh, back in the, when they first opened, you know, 2000 and so forth, in the heyday of the Shaq and Kobe years. Right. And um, there was a Rush concert, and I love Rush. Rush is one of my favorites. And uh, there was so much, as you put it, smoke in the air, and I'll just leave it at that. And I think I stopped at Del Taco twice on the way home, just from the, just, just from the contact high. Oh, yeah. Oh, Del yeah, Taco man. near Staples Center and Del Taco around the corner yeah, from yeah, the yeah. house. Had those munchies. So let's, let's just talk social media a little bit because yeah. that's, you know, kind of what your organization does. When did you first kind of have your world opened up? I know, I think for me, it was MySpace probably for you as well as one of those that, you know, really the first time we came across it. When did you think, hey, you know, I could turn this into something more than just I have a MySpace page or a Facebook page. I could make a living doing this. Great question. So, um, you know, as a kid, I, I've always been fascinated by people. I love meeting people. Um, and, uh, you know, I moved away from Southern California when I was 14, had to start over. It was one of the toughest experiences of my life. Sure. You know, leaving friends, family, loved ones. The beach. Um, 
the, the beach, right? Yeah. And and Dodger games and all the fun stuff that I grew up knowing. And um, it forced me to learn how to meet people. Uh, and you know, then I moved again uh, my senior year of high school. Uh, started over again, but it did so much good for me. And the one thing that I just really, you know, again, uh, was so fascinated by was that there was now a platform that allowed me to align with, you know, friends, um, you know, from the past. And I think I am connected in social media to every one of my third grade classmates. We, we were in third and fourth grade together. And I can probably name every one of those students. How many people nice can name every one of their third grade classmates, fourth grade classmates. Yeah, I, can, I can give you three or four names, I think. And I live right. nearby where I went to school. Right. And so we have a tool that allows us to connect with anyone and everyone. And I, I just was fascinated by that. And I'm just, you know, um, I also knew that, that this was a platform that was going to do a lot of things in the world. Um, uh, and it was, it was a platform that would allow people to push and promote, you know, anything that truly mattered to them and would be the greatest tool for advertising in the history of the world for both the good and the bad. And, right. you know, um, man, it's been, it's been such a blessing for me to have, you know, social media in my life and I've met friends for life. What's crazy, yeah, yeah. Ed, this is really the first time that you and I have face ever, to face. right. Face to face. We've had phone calls um, and we've texted and emailed, right, but yeah. Right, right, right. And yeah, so, in, in the so, however many years, yeah, it's our first face-to-face, -face, ironically. Yeah, yeah, and so um, it's it's a special tool, man. It's it's yeah. uh, social media is a is, you know, I think it's the greatest tool that mankind's ever been given. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, there's a lot of bad that goes along with it too. Um, I was recently telling someone that I was speaking with that uh, Twitter has always been my favorite platform, without question, and. I find myself wanting to be on Twitter less and less the past couple months. Mm. And it's, it's pretty heartbreaking, man. With all um, the things going on in the world, you just can't, you can't avoid it. it it's, yeah. it's, it's become a cesspool for hatred and anger, um, for shaming, yeah. uh, destructive commentary. I, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, the world's hurting in a lot of you know, ways right now. And a lot yeah. of people have reasons to be frustrated or angry. Yeah. Um, but social media can be, become extremely dangerous. Um, yeah. And so, but, but above all, like it is, it really is the best tool to go and do some good in the world. And, uh, you know, if you're a business or a brand, there is nothing better that you should be using. Yeah. And you've triggered several questions that I anticipated, but I'm going to ask them a little bit out of order here. Um, you have four kids and yes, you talked about the, uh, the upside. I know I'm, all I'm doing is mention your kids. I just, I saw a tweet last night of you with, you know, with the boys coming from a baseball yeah. game. And I know how important your family is to you. Oh, yeah. I think the reason what most of us as parents got on social media, I know the first time I got on MySpace, my daughters were teenagers at the time, was really because I wanted to see what they were up to. Not in the distrust area, but just oh, yeah, yeah. what's this MySpace thing? For me, it was a music platform more than anything else. You could attach a, a song to your profile and that told your personality and seeing the pictures that they posted or that they liked and what have you. Right. Being a, 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 an influencer, to, to use a term that a lot of people understand in social media, and obviously you make a living helping businesses and brands grow through social media. What advice do you and Mikkel, your wife, follow or advice would you give to other parents who have kids who are coming into those teenage years now like your kids are about the pitfalls of social media? How do you manage that and monitor it to keep them from from the bad keep from is hard. We can't keep our kids from bad. That's just going to be something they're going to be exposed to. But how do we mitigate that as parents? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And it's something I get asked that question all the time. I bet. Fortunately, um, my oldest is 14. Mm -hmm. Um, and to date, he has still not expressed one bit of interest in using social media, which, wow. which to me is shocking. Yeah. Because given who dad is, I would have been all over social media, 10, 11, yeah. Well, um, and my daughter, who's now 12, same thing. None of my kids have expressed any interest in social media, which, which could be a blessing in a, in a sense, but it's going to happen. Guaranteed. Yeah. Like Chase, my oldest has recently discovered girls. Um, hmm. we, we knew that he's always had a little thing for ladies, but you know, yeah. he was out at a water park. He would kill me if he heard this, but he was out at a water <laughs> park, you know, a couple of days ago and he's just like, dad, 
there's a bunch of hot babes all over the place, you know? <laughs> nice. I'm just like, all right, so I'm the, you know, there we go. Here we it's go. It's starting. Here we go. Yeah. Time to right, earn right, that dad belt. Yeah. Yeah. The belt of dad. Um, but, but what I would say is, you know, fortunately most of these, these social platforms, these, these phones, they have, you know, parental, uh, settings that you can set to, to watch and monitor. I, I, you never want to micromanage your kids, but you want to protect your kids. Um, and so my advice to parents that have kids that are starting to get into the game of social media is to do your research and make sure that you're, you're building settings around where you would like your kids to be and most most importantly to protect them yeah. um, my my oldest son actually my first all three of my oldest kids have a device right and, you know there's screen time and you sure. know sites they're allowed to see or not see and and you know that these phone companies have done a great job providing settings that make me comfortable leaving or letting them have that um, so uh but but parents just let it fly and just hand a phone over to them that is danger zone in more ways than you can shake a stick at. So um, my advice would be to to do your research and and plan for what you do and don't want them doing with the phone. Let me ask you this question. How does your faith being LDS and having grown up in the church, and and I know how important that is to you, how does that drive your decision-making when it comes to this topic with your kids? Again, we know, like you said, the internet can be used for good. We've we've outlined that and we'll dive deeper shortly into that certainly can be used for bad. We've seen some horrible things. You alluded to Twitter and the the rage and the things that are out there right now. And obviously there's pornography and other things that are just a click away. How has your role as a dad in your faith and and you and your wife influenced your, the way you teach your kids about social media? And again, you're lucky right now that they're not as interested in it as they're obviously going to become. You know, that that's a great question. One of the things that I love about you know, our faith is um, the teachings that go along with how to be a better parent. I mean, as you know, families are the, it's the central piece of, of mm-hmm. the faith. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of things that I learn and uh, hear and study, and um, there's a lot of great advice for parents um, as to how to, you know, be more Christ-like in your approach to parenting. And, and to, to help your kids understand the, the important things in life. And so um, one of the things that, that I take very seriously is making sure that my kids know and understand that I trust them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really fortunate to have amazing parents that, that taught me, you know, right and wrong and, and kept me accountable and, uh, and you know, and, and taught me the importance of trying to be more Christ-like or, you know, to, to, to do to do good in the world. And, um, and there was an expectation, uh, in, in a positive way, not a negative way, but a, but a positive way that, that we need to be better and, and do better and, and be real with ourselves when we know the tough times were, you know, thrown at us or, um, you know, trials or, uh, troubles in life. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, I'm actually, you know, as much as my wife might say, I don't want them to have social media. I'm, I'm excited for, you know, my kids to have social media. Sure. Because I, I, I trust them and look, they're going to deal with all the crap that you and I dealt with as kids. They're going to grow up. They're going to make massive mistakes just like, you know, I did and you probably did, but sure. um, I I think that, that, that one of the things that, that I want to make very clear to my children is they can come to me and talk to me about anything. I mean that anything. Yeah. And you know, my, my parents did a great job you know, especially my dad. I mean, my dad's a guy and I'm a guy. And so, you know, it became easy for me to talk to my dad about things that may not have been the easiest things to talk to my mom about. And I did that, Ed, because my dad made it clear that he grew up too, right? Yeah. He, made, he made big mistakes and that he was there for me to talk through mistakes. And um, and uh, I, I think that that, uh, that that set the the pace and precedence for my dad and I's relationship. Uh, and even it, it has an impact on how I'm raising my children today, but uh, always centered on trying to be good and better. And, uh, and, and so I, I think that's, you know, the way that I look at it, you know, with social media is I, I want them to try it, test it, learn it, and, um, you know, do some good with it. Cause you can do a lot of good with social media if your head's in the sure. right place. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you. I appreciate you being so vulnerable and honest and sharing that too. It's, it's, it's hard for people to admit that they've made mistakes, especially to their kids. And 
we know that our parents weren't perfect and our kids know that we weren't perfect. And, and certainly, you know, I think it was Bill Cosby that said that, you know, as soon as I started realizing how brilliant my parents were, my kids were telling me how stupid I was, you know, and it's kind of, we get to that point in our lives where we, you know, it's like, wow, my parents were just geniuses and my kids are like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that, that's good to just be real and be trusting of them. I think that's that's right. That's right. Really great. There's a lot of places we can go now too. And I, I'm just kind of glancing at the notes. You're involved in a lot of different things. And I want to get back in a little bit, hopefully to, you know, how you would start a social media campaign with a company and we can go there if you'd like, but I want to talk a little bit, Scott, about some of the different things that you're involved in gig. Obviously that's your, that's your, your gig <laughs> pun intended. Um, yeah. You've got a relationship with one of my old favorite Dodgers, and I know certainly one of your favorites and Steve Sachs, former second baseman for the Dodgers, and you launched Be Amicable. I know that you're a partner with your cousin and a barbecue place up in Orem. Yeah. Um, I know you're an investor. You're involved in a lot of different things. So I guess let's yeah. just peel it back one, one layer at a time. Talk about Steve Sachs, Be Amicable, how that vision started, why. I'm very, I mean, tell our audience what it's about and, and where that kind of sparked for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, a few years back on Twitter, I, I tweeted out, uh, if any of you guys can guess my favorite childhood Dodger, you know, growing up, um, I'll send you some swag or something. I can't remember what I did. So, you know, I had hundreds of people responding with guesses and, um, anyway, some guy said, was it Steve Sachs? And I'm like, you got it. And, uh, which led to, you know, Steve and I meeting, uh, I think Steve sent me a, you know, a tweet or something or someone connected us. Uh, a friend and you know I was like hey man thanks that's super humbling um, that, that you would mention that but tell me more about yourself and we hit it off and became buddies and um, so Steve knew what I was up to you know as far as being an entrepreneur and investing and looking into um, you know always about startups and opportunities and he shared with me a couple ideas that he had and uh, one of them was be amicable um, it, it's actually now called Bivoco. We we changed the name uh, to Bivoco and make it a little bit more amicable. Is not always the most easy word to say. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and, I even stumbled on it when as I said it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Bivoco or be vocal um, mm-hmm. is kind of what uh, or voice. Uh, so that's what it's called now. But we we built it. I took it to developers that we work with, and we we built it. Brought some great partners on and. Um, truth be told, I am not as involved as I, as I was, uh, which is a whole nother topic that you and I, that you and I could have, you know, for discussion, um, because I am absolutely focused on gig for a number of reasons and I had to learn a few hard things, but Steve is a great dude. Um, and, uh, he's still, you know, fighting away, uh, with a couple other, um, folks that I brought to the table as, you know, the executive team and, great people involved and it's it's a special platform uh, that really is focused on helping you know businesses uh, make it more comfortable for employees to be more vocal about you know some of the things that are happening uh, inside you know the company whether it's bullying sexual harassment harassment in general yeah. it's a really really cool product so for all you HR reps out there it's something you want to look into it's it's really really helping a lot of companies how do people find it uh, bevoco.com, B-E-V-O-C-O.com. And, uh, you can learn more there, but it's, uh, is Voco an acronym for something or is it just kind of a play on the, the word vocal? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, be vocal kind of a, it's kind of a catchy name, be vocal, uh, be vocal or use your voice. And so, uh, but, but anyway, Steve is still, he's, he's Steve, man. Like yeah. the guy is, he's, he's, he's hilarious. Great. Um, you know, he's coming up to our house a few times. He's great with the kids. The kids just love him. He's a, he's a very good dude. So I really awesome. have enjoyed getting to know him and working with him. He's a hard worker, just like he, he was on yeah. the field. Right. So, yeah, it's always fun to meet those uh, childhood heroes too. I, I, you probably know I worked in minor league baseball for a few years and yeah. like the guy that was the manager of my team was Gary Templeton, who was a shortstop for the Padres and Cardinals. And I watched awesome. him, you know, go against my favorite Dodger team. Yeah. So yeah. it took a little while for Gary and I to become friends because, you know, I hated the guy on the field because he was so good, but uh, turned out just be a, a good dude. All right, let's go back. Let's talk about gig. Um, yeah. When did you realize that you could make social media your career? And tell us a little bit about the founding of gig and just kind of the evolution of that. Gig was actually built for the music industry. That's what uh, I thought. And, and a lot of, a lot of people know this. Uh, I have a tremendous passion for music and I, and I also believe that 
the greatest opportunity in the history of music is right now on the business side. Um, right now, the music industry is getting absolutely obliterated mm -hmm. with this COVID situation. Um, right. You know, one of the biggest money makers for, you know, an artist is live shows, touring. Yeah. And those are gone right now. Not happening. And so, uh, you know, I built, I built the gig platform to really help, you know, discover new talent, uh, help mainstream artists, uh, you know, message themselves or get the word out about new things that they, you know, are working on or releasing upcoming tours. But I wanted to help artists see and understand everything that was being said about their brand or their band or their music in social media and pull it into one spot and then teach them how to capitalize on those things, um, help them align more with fans. Because uh, really when it comes down to it, if you think about it, there, there, are, about, there are about four people that I really, really trust with regard to music. Hmm. And most, you know, most of the music that, that we listen to, you know, there's a lot of the, the streaming services now that allow you to um, you know, build playlists or hear songs that are similar to another song that you like and you search. But uh, there are four people I trust, really trust, my three brothers and my cousin Tyson. Nice. That's about it. Um, they're my, my sister Haley actually does a good job too, but, but we, we, we really, really do uh, get our taste in music or our recommendations from each other. Um, and so I wanted, you know, when you think about that, artists need to do a better job of getting their big fans to talk about their love for that, that artist online, sure. right? So gig was meant to help those artists be more efficient in getting their fans to do the talking right about their music because friends trust friends man i mean right uh so now gig let's talk about gig so uh as hard as it was um it was, yeah yeah it actually was hard uh <laughs> I was having so much fun with the music stuff yeah um i realized that what we had created for the artist or for the music industry everyone needed the same rules apply every business out there they want to be better about aligning or connecting with fans they want to find ways to align with new fans or you know um they they want to hear and know what they're saying they want to you know put things out there to get the fans or the members patients or whoever it is to to do more of the talking you know telling people about it because when it all comes when it all comes down to it no one really gives a crap about what a business has to say about themselves Right. You know, if, if my cousin Cameron and I, you know, with Bam Bam sat there and said, you guys, Bam Bam's best barbecue on the planet. Come get yourself some. No one cares. Of course, you're going to say, it's like your resume. Your resume is all the good things about yourself. That's right. Let's, let's get a referral to talk about That's me. Right. That's right. And, and by the way, I cringe when I hear my bio. Uh, it was written by someone in, in uh, you know, previous uh, uh, interview that I did a while back. That's and, why I read it, because I wanted to make you uncomfortable at the beginning. It, it was so quite, the rest would just be smooth. <laughs> it's uncomfortable uh but you know i guess sometimes you just anyway so just with that being said it's not comfortable but you know a lot of businesses do find it comfortable to talk about themselves and trust right. me they're not doing as much damage or good as they think yeah so the goal nowadays and this is where social media comes into play right mm -hmm. what are you doing to give your customers a reason to talk about you or or ed what are you doing to give your listeners a reason to talk about you right or universities, what are you doing to get students, alumni, parents, faculty to tell the world about their great experience there at your university? That is the name of the game because social media is the system to drive true authentic advertising. So that is what gig is. We okay. help businesses, organizations, universities, uh, anywhere, anyone in the healthcare industry, it doesn't matter who you are. We help you be more efficient at telling your story and building a customer narrative rather than the corporate narrative. And that's, that's what our system is focused on. I, I usually ask this at the end and I already did it on, on Bivoco, but for gig, what's the best way for people to reach you or to, to learn more about gig? Gig.com. Okay. G-I-G-G. G-I-G-G.com. Okay. And I, you know what? That's one of my most proud things in business is getting that name. Yeah. Because really, you know, gig is, it, I mean, it was known as, a gig for music hey, right but now what's your gig it's everything term. what do you do for work what do you yeah it's it's just a synonymous with what are you doing that's right and yeah. so that's and we wanted to brand it make it special gig would be really you know software computerish right like I, yeah. I wanted it to be a little bit different and so we we 
we threw that G on the end and yeah. it was, it's been, it's been great. I love it. When was the tipping point? Cause I know even for me, and again, I'm 56 and social media is something that came into my life in my forties. Um, and early on, and as a business leader, I always thought so, and I don't think this now, but I did think up until just a few years ago that social media was to, to quote myself, interns posting for other interns. And then I heard that the president of Coca-Cola was actually the guy on their Facebook page. If you saw something on Facebook or posted something, he saw it. And that started to transition my paradigm about social media a little bit. You live this every day. Has there been a transition that you've seen and when and how? Is there a pioneer there that maybe you thought, maybe it's Coca-Cola, maybe somebody else that, you know, this isn't just interns talking to interns. This is executives talking to executives and everybody else in between. Well, let's, let's talk about um, Steve Sachs. Okay. He was my childhood hero, you know, as a young kid. Um, and before I know it, I'm on the phone with him. Yeah. And before I know it, I'm, you know. In business with him. Right? Yeah. So, so it has been absolutely mind-boggling at the people I've been fortunate to meet through social media. And uh, it, is, it is so important um, to, to use it the, the right way. Uh, and it's going to become even more apparent as years go on how important social media is to a person's personal brand. Thank goodness that you and I didn't have social media when we were dating. I'm telling you, dude, these ladies, they will know everything about you before you sit down for your first yeah. dinner date, right? Yeah, and, no so, and so, employers so, will know everything about you. My okay, that was where I was going next. knew about my teens, forget about it. That's where I was going next. So yeah. uh, young, young men, and you know, anyone out there dating, be careful about what you're posting on social media. Yeah. It is who you are. It is your brand. And, and you're, you hear stories about, you know, men and women that have, have tweeted or posted things a decade ago. And they're getting flack for, you know, things yeah. that may have been okay to say or talk about or kind of in the norm. I just had a conversation about this. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be vulnerable for a second, you know, as kids, and this is terrible, but let's be real here. Like mm -hmm. as kids, I remember saying to my brother, Oh dude, quit being so gay or you're a fag. That, that, that makes me sick to right. think I was talking that way as a kid or, or quit being a retard. I hate these words. I'm not I, I like, right. but, but these were words that people were using as the norm years ago. I'm not saying everyone was doing that, but no, you're right though. But we were, and now if you post it and type it, it's out there and it's permanent. That's right. That's right. And so, so this goes to show the importance of being very careful with what you say and you do. And, and I, I feel terrible about, you know, some of the, the, the things that I learned and started saying as a kid, because those are, heavy, heavy words. Like I cringe when I hear anyone ever say that. And, and if I have the opportunity, I'll correct them. Don't, don't say that again. Like, right. You know, don't say that again, but I also have a little, you know, I always get empathy and sympathy mixed up. Mm -hmm. So yeah. forgive, um, yeah. you know, I have empathy. empathy. You've lived it. Sympathy. You've seen it. Yeah. Thank, thanks. Ed. So yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Thanks for the lesson there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I have sympathy towards those that are saying it that may not realize what they're doing. And so it's, it's important sometimes to call people out. Right. And uh, especially if you've learned it and you don't understand what you do. Yeah. And so, um, you know, going back to, to what I was mentioning, you know, we kind of squirreled here, but, but going back to the importance of being aware of what you share, that stuff is locked in. That stuff is locked in. And I, and I think, believe it or not, a lot of things that are being said on social media right now, and, you know, during the, the past couple months, there's going to be some regret, man. There, there's yeah. going to be some regret. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show a lot of character, true character is being um, shown right now. So be aware of your character and, and what you're saying. Yeah. Doing because, you know, down the road, you don't want to cringe as much. And, and right. I think we're all going to cringe, you know, one point, some of the things we said, but. So, so let anyway. me ask you, that's, that's a perfect tee up for the next question I have for you, Scott. What are you learning through this COVID crisis? I'm not going to ask you what the impact's been necessarily, unless you want to pattern that into your answer. But more importantly, and I ask a lot of my guests this, and even just in conversations that I have with my clients and friends and family, what are you learning through these last four or five months of COVID and now this last month of all the racial tension and all the things that are out there that you hope you will, that will stick with you when hopefully we get through, and I air quote the through, we get through this and we're, 
we're not talking COVID and we're not talking racism and we're not talking about all this tension. What do you hope that you're learning now that you'll, you'll keep with you or that maybe you can teach your kids? Man, I, I, great question. I, uh, it's always important to have gratitude in your heart and man, don't, don't you just appreciate things so much more than you did um, before? Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to the spiritual side, sometimes God does things, uh, to keep you in check. Right. <laughs> and, and I think, I think that things have been for the most part, um, you know, fairly, uh, you know, good and, and not as much strife. And, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself because I know there's others that have, have dealt with things over the, the past couple of few years, but for the most part, the nation has been, um, pretty, uh, just even keel. Things are, are going pretty well. We have our things here and there, but, but this has really, really opened up, um, some, some mind shifting, uh, matters that you really got to take a look at yourself. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think I'm hopeful that I never, ever take for granted the little things, taking my wife out to dinner, yeah. you know, going and sitting down and having my, my peanuts and Coke at a Dodger game, <laughs> um, you know, uh, taking my kids on a trip on a plane down to Newport or, you know, to, to Hawaii or, you know, I, I will never take for granted or even going to church, man. Like, yeah. you know, I, I love church, man. And yeah, it, it uh, <laughs> I pulled out my church shoes and dust all over them, man. Yeah, exactly. Right. And yeah. so uh, those little things, you, you just, I took them for granted. Right. And um, so I, I, uh, I, I hope that, you know, in answer to your question, I hope to take with me the memory of and, and never forgetting to have gratitude for the little things. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. We tend to focus more on this. That's been a topic that's come up in my conversations, you know, day to day is just, we tend to focus a couple of things. Number one, on the most important things in our lives now. And also, I don't know about you, and I get that you probably feel the same way. You can pass somebody in the hallway pre-COVID and, you know, work or church or in the grocery store or what have you. Hey, how you doing? And you don't really mean, hey, how you doing? You're just kind of acknowledging, hey, Scott, I see you, but I'm going to keep going with my life. Now, I say, hey, Scott, how you doing? I really want an answer because it's just you and me right here on this little laptop screen. Yeah. Now, you know, people will listen and watch this later, but the conversations, I think for me personally, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway, um, have become much more authentic and, and meaningful because they're fewer and further between now than they were before. Yeah. So I, I would agree. I, 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 that's another thing. If I can add the second thing, I see people differently. Um, yeah. not that I ever didn't see, I, I love every, I really do. I, I just love people. I love yeah, awesome. story. That comes out. Like when I talked about, I can't remember if it was before we started the podcast or during, but everyone has, has a story to tell. Yeah everyone. And, um, you can learn something from anyone that you ever meet in your life. And, uh, but, but I, I have a lot, a lot more love in my heart for, you know, people, right. Just anyone and everyone doesn't matter who they are. And, uh, we're all going through something, right. Especially right now, everyone is going through something and, um, we need to all listen more. We yeah. all need to listen more. I think, you know, I tweeted out, I was proud of this one. You, know, mm -hmm. you can do a whole lot more with your ears, the, your two ears, than your, your mouth will ever do for you or something like that. Or you can, you can do a lot more good with your ears than you can ever do with, with your mouth in your lifetime. And anyway, so I, I really, I really, really think that, that we need to focus on listening more yeah. to people. Well, and that's been really the objective of why I launched this podcast to begin with was everybody has a story, like you said. Um, I learn more from, I, I talk a lot. That's just one of my downfalls. It's a, it's a positive, it can be, but also a big downfall is that I'll tend to talk too much or like I'm doing now, use a thousand words to ask a question that I could have asked in five. But we learn so much more when we listen than when we talk. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So Now you talked, you, you've used, used the word vulnerability a little bit, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you there again for a moment. Not everything's been roses. Not everything's been success. I know, you know, some people say they have the Midas touch. And I, I'm, I know that you're very open about some of the failures that you've had and some of the shortcomings. Maybe let's just go business for a second. Uh, you don't need to dive in the detail of any, anything that you've tried that didn't work unless you'd like to. But what I'm more interested in, and I think our listeners and viewers are more interested in, is when business people who are perceived as successful as you are um, 
share maybe some of the shortcomings they've had, really, I think what we like to hear is what did you learn? You know, without the, without the, 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 the going into the weeds and the detail of what the failure was or what the loss was, um, can you share at all maybe what a loss or a failure that you've had in your life has taught you? Yeah, um, good question. So, and, and I'll get back to the, one of the points that you made. When I, when I hear people tell me, you're, you're so successful, you're successful. What, what is success? Like right. really, what is success? Is it, is it, you know, money and, you know, business? Is it, what, what is true success? Well, I want to get back to that in a second. Um, yeah. But uh, I have gotten my arse kicked <laughs> over the course of the last seven years. Um, you know, the first year or two of gig, peaches and cream, happy day, everything was going well, but no one knows the behind the scenes come year three. I had some of the darkest, most ugly times in years of my life. Um, and, uh, the most lonely and, uh, I made so many stupid decisions. I came into this business thinking I knew everything. I didn't know a damn thing. Hmm. I didn't know anything. The one thing I think I did know how to do was sell. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing outside of that. And, uh, and I, I think I came into it, um, arrogant and, uh, I didn't listen to a lot of incredible mentors that I was fortunate at the time to have around me and fortunate. Now they had patience with me <laughs> to, to come back a little bit later. Um, I got smoked Ed. uh, I lost millions of dollars. Um, my tail was be between my legs um, more times than you could ever imagine. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I uh, it was dark times, yeah. but th those are, you know, I, I remember having to let go. I've had to let go of two teams, entire teams um, since starting gig. Meaning I, I had like 13 people at once had to let them all go because I wasn't moving in the right direction. And I, another time I had to let you know, about 10 people go hmm. and, uh, and it wasn't easy because I hadn't figured it out. Yeah. I still am trying to figure it out, of course. Uh, but, but those, those horrible moments and those moments when I had to go back to my investors and talk about mistakes that I had made and so on, you know, uh, I learned so much and, uh, you know, I could go deeper into each of those mistakes that I made, but but here's the one thing that I can tell you that I'm proud of. I will never quit. Yeah. And, and that's the reason that, that we will win. Cause uh, I think it was, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, but anyway, long story short, they say it's seven years. I, I would love to write a book one year, uh, one day, seven years. They say it's seven years before it really clicks, you know, as far as business is concerned. Yeah. So that if you want to start a business, you better plan on getting smoked for seven years before you even start seeing a second of success or, or you, before you have any type of real business acumen. And so, um, you know, I, uh, I'm here at that moment. Like this is the year I just was talking to an investor that said, how long you been in business? I see these numbers here. How long you been in business? I said, seven years. And he said, you're ready. You're getting it. Now, yeah. you're, now you're ready. Let's now let's see what you really got kid. Yeah. You know, let's, yeah. Go, and um, so so, uh, you know, never quit, and and you find out how much they love whatever a person loves whatever they're doing to to, to see if they'll keep going and they'll keep getting up in the morning, um, you know, if the the going gets tough because yeah. I've been there, man, and and uh, I I have so much respect for entrepreneurs. Yeah, I have so much respect for entrepreneurs. Yeah. So you mentioned the word investor. I know on, on um, one of your profiles, it mentions in your bio that you are an investor, you invest, you have investors for gig as well. So it's a, a two-sided question here. What do you look for when you're investing, whether it's a stock or a person or a business or what have you? And how is what you look for a reflection of yourself? I've never asked anybody that question before, so I don't know how it came out. But yeah, no, I, no, I, it's a great question. I look at the person. Um, I think it was, uh, gosh, who was it? I'm struggling to remember where I got all this great insight, but um, it was mentioned that, so if you, if you were to look at your entire network, Ed, look at all your entire network, mm -hmm. 
um, pick one person that you would invest everything that you own into. You have one person and this person going forward, you get 10% of everything that they make their entire life. I'm set. I already got the guy in mind and I'm set. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that the person, why will I invest the person? I would put all my eggs in that kid's basket or that's that lady's basket or that, you know, individual's basket because I know that they will never stop and they are passionate about what it is that they're investing uh, or what, what it is that they're, they're building, you know, their investment and their, you know, where they're, they're pushing their life and, you know, the business they're, they're creating. I have won in all the businesses that I, I have, have made my choice in investing based on that. And, the person was passionate about it and he was, or she was extremely um, hardworking and relentless. Yeah. And any of the businesses that I've invested that the person wasn't those things lost it all. Didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be my, my response. You can tell if someone's passionate about something. It's yeah. not hard. It's not. Yeah. You wake up and you're just, and it's not, it, it, I used to interpret passion as obsession and I don't anymore. Because when I'm obsessed with something, nothing else matters. When I'm passionate, when I'm on that, I'm, you know, family business and working with family businesses, podcasting, my wife, my kids, my grandkids, you know, time with my dad, time at Dodger games, if that ever comes back. You know, these are passions of mine that when I'm there, I'm completely locked in. But obsession means I, to me anyway, I could, that's not a dictionary definition, it's just Ed Hart's definition of obsession is nothing else matters. And I don't get that you're obsessed. One obsession I think you might have is cereal. So, <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, I would have to agree. I would. Let's start. I I've been obsessed with cereal since I was a kid. Um, it's the moment I took a bite of it. You know, anything with sugar on it, right? Mm -hmm. And anything that didn't have sugar on it, I made sure sugar was on it. There you go. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, but but always have had a love for cereal since I was a kid I guess it keeps me young um, but it's uh, yes I do have a, a slight addiction I'm trying to be better I'm trying to be better about don't lie to me Scott don't lie to me I'm, I'm, I'm serious <laughs> I, I'm serious I'm trying to be better because I'm actually I think I'm starting to feel it for the first time you know I how old are turned, you I just turned 40 you know oh, okay so I, there you go so I and I always heard the dreaded 40 that's that's when oh yeah Scott yeah my dad yeah, let's let's see how long that lasts, bud. You yeah. keep being a donkey. Yeah, you're an avid runner, so you do burn it off. Yeah, yeah. But what I mean by by saying that I feel it, I feel it when I'm running. I'm starting to feel, yeah. you know, while it's maybe burning off, it's it's not doing so hot in the joints and other parts. So yeah. I'm trying to slow down. It's not working very well, but you know, hey, I'm trying. So deserted island, you have one box of cereal you can bring with you. What is it? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I just bought those the other day for my grandson. So we were up in Utah actually visiting, and that was their go-to as well. That's what I started with. with. Wow. This would go. You know we were going to get to the commercial portion of the broadcast here. Lucky Char. Lucky Scott's. Oh, yeah. So check this out. This okay. is this is when you know you hit big, right? Like when yeah. Lucky Charms makes you your own box, this is better than being a champion on the front of the Wheaties. Wow, that's better than Wheaties right there, yeah. Yeah, so I win there. I'm just nice. Uh, Lucky Scott. You know, and, and for the record, this is not a lie. I have never been paid a cent by any cereal company. Not yeah. once. However, they do send me a lot of goods. So maybe, you know, that's considered compensation. You're getting it in other ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got I've got kids. My my kids' friends think that I work for, they think I'm a CEO of, of Kellogg's. Kellogg's or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I thought that maybe you were a paid spokesman as well. So soon no. as you down and pulled up the Cinnamon Toast Crunch box. No, I just, I have box watching. He just showed us a couple of boxes there. So yeah, I, I snack on cereal. Yeah. So. Interesting question for you here. Um, we always talk about what we've learned and I want to be cognizant of your time here. We're getting close to the end. Um, we talk a lot about what we've learned from our failures and our shortcomings. You've also obviously experienced a little bit of success. What would you say you've learned or hope that you've learned from the successes that you've had? Um, that it's, it's, uh, I, I've learned that hard work pays off and being relentless and never quitting, especially when it's easy to quit. I, I think, uh, 
I learned younger and thanks to my parents uh, that, that were constantly reminding me that I was capable of anything that I set my, my mind to. Um, that I have set my mind to doing things and, and because of, of busting my can, I have, I have accomplished whatever it is I set out to do. And I learned the never quit mentality and, and uh, I was, so anytime that, you know, I have had any success in anything, I, I attribute it to, to, to hard work and I'm grateful that, you know, I learned, um, I learned work ethic uh, because I had good people surround me, uh, surrounding me that, that taught me the importance of hard work. Coach, my parents, of course, my coaches, my leaders, um, and uh, it pays, it pays off. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, what your background is, you have a shot if you really want it. You, you do. You just got to, you got to fight to do it. And some people have to fight a whole hell of a lot harder than another, but you can do it. Awesome. Okay. Three or four more. One question on three or four topics. Um, the question is, what are you looking forward to? And let's start with gig. Um, I'm looking forward to getting our product into tens of thousands of businesses um, thousands of universities and I'm really looking forward to getting back in the music industry and I will. Yeah. What are you looking forward to as a, as a sports fan? This is an obvious question, but I'll throw it up to you anyway, cause it's probably the same thing I am. A world series championship for the Los Angeles Dodgers. a boy. That's right. A parade, whether it's a zoom parade or a real parade, a parade nevertheless would be nice. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, uh, so a footnote on that now for me, whenever I've thought about the possibility of moving out of Southern California, there's a lot of considerations. Family is here. I love the weather. Um, my friends and so forth, obviously social media and the internet makes it easier to stay in tune with everyone as does just text messaging. But the thought that prior to this year, I could just, you know, on a whim drive up to Staples center for a Laker game or drive up to Dodger stadium for a Dodger game how hard is that to live? Now I know you come down here a lot for business and you mix in a sporting event or two. Um, how hard is it to live far away from being able to just go see your favorite team play? It's, it's tough. And um, you know, I do, I get down there whenever I want to watch games and I'll take Mikel with me every so often. I think that one of the tough things is being able to just grab my kids and pick them up out of school and take them to a game. Cause yeah. my earliest memories were my dad or grandpa taking me to, you know, Dodger games when taking me out of school and, run over to watch a game. And so I, I think that's, that's what makes it tough. Yeah. All right. Back to my, what are you looking for? What are you looking forward to with, with your family? Man, there is nothing like, like, like you just mentioned, like I love seeing my kids grow, you know, there is nothing that I take more pride in back to success. What's true success. True success is family. True success is, is being a good dad and, and building, uh, building a, a, a communication, uh, a strong way to communicate between your children, knowing that they'll come to you for anything. Success is, a, is, is you know, a, a, a happy marriage. And it's not tough to be married. I don't know how Mikkel puts up with me. Hmm. Somehow we, we make it work. Um, success is being a good person. And uh, forget the car you drive, the money you make, the house you live in. It's, it's, it's what you're doing in the community. It's how you're, you're, you're building, you know, a, a better community. It's, it's about raising others up, um, you know, in the community. It's about bringing hope to the people that you're surrounded by. That's what success is. It has nothing to do with money. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, going back to, to my kids and family, like, wh what do I look forward to? I look forward to continue to build my relationship with my kids, watch them go succeed and, and hopefully do the things that, um, you know, I, their mother mostly and myself have taught them, you know, that's, that's what I look forward to. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. What, um, I don't have this question formulated in my head, so I'll just say it, how it comes out. What, uh, what, what drives you when you get up in the morning and you think about what you have ahead for the day, you've already kind of hit on a lot of it, but if you could encapsulate, you know, this last hour we spent together and just kind of what drives you and your decision-making, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You know, how, how do you, how does that process work for you? Um, what drives me, you know, is 
the truth is, is I love helping people. I, I love seeing people succeed and I love seeing people go after their dreams. Um, and, and I, I look for ways and, and really enjoy getting up to, to build ways to help people succeed and, you know, really go after their passion. Because, uh, you, you know, everyone has dreams. Everyone wants and dreams about doing something. And, and those dreams that you have inside you, those things matter, right? And uh, I love working towards building ways to help people go after their passion and, uh, and, and be happy and successful in life with the, the things that matter, right? Yeah. I know one of the things you, sorry, I, I thought I had and it just triggered that I hadn't asked it yet. Stadium of Fire, this now not happening right now because yeah. of COVID. Um, tell us a little bit about that. I know Imagine Dragons is one of those bands I love and you do too and others that have been a part of that early on, maybe before they were famous. I, I saw the movie Believer with Dan Reynolds and you know, know the story somewhat. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit, that, that concept, that concert, maybe that specific experience before I ask my final question? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I've been fortunate to work with um, the Stadium of Fire for, it's been seven years now. What GIG has done is we, we run a, a global competition that lets kids compete, that submit videos of their band performing, whether it's a cover song or an original, and then they, they compete head to head against a bunch of other artists to try and earn a spot to, you know, share the same stage as whoever the headliner is, you know, for the Stadium of Fire show which is, for those that don't know what the Stadium of Fire is, it's the biggest 4th of July stadium show in America. So it's, and it's been around for 25 years, but it's been a lot of fun. But Imagine Dragons were one of the, the bands that competed uh, in the competition in years past and, you know, before they hit big. And that's, that's been a lot of fun. You know, that's one of the tools uh, that the gig built was to help, you know, build brand, your yeah. brand. And so uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed, you know, the time, uh, that I've had with them, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool, it's a really cool show. So yeah, it's been, fun. well, I look forward to that coming back so I can be there. Yes. We're, yes. we're up there almost every 4th of July cause my, my sons are up there. So awesome. yeah, hopefully we'll be there. Well, I, is there anything else? I here's the essay part of the, of the interview. Is there yeah. anything that we've missed that you're hoping we could talk about or anything that's on your mind that you could share before I go into my final question that I ask everyone? Um, no, I, I've actually really enjoyed it. Ed, so, you know, I think it's, it's been a good time. So yeah, no, I, I'm ready for this final question. All right. It's been long overdue, right? Like yeah. you said, we've, we've had these text dialogues and these tweets and these conversations and so forth for a long time. I really do feel like I've known you for a long time because you're, you're very open with how you share about yourself and your family and some of the fun stuff that you guys get to do. Uh, as you know, the name of the podcast, as you said at the, at the top of the, of the interview is called from the heart. Um, yeah for a lot of reasons, obviously my last name is on there, but you know, that's for me, my favorite conversations are the authentic from the heart conversations. I think if I wanted to learn about Scott Warner, I can just go on Wikipedia or Google or social media. And I've done all of those to learn about you over the years. And in particular, in, pre in preparing for this conversation today, but what that stuff doesn't really show is the answer to this question. So I'll just end with Scott Warner. What's in your heart? Ah, uh, man, what's in my heart? Uh, I like to believe it's love and it's, uh, and gratitude or appreciation for, for this life in general. And, um, and I, uh, my heart in many cases right now hurts for a lot of things that people are dealing with in the world. But, um, I know in my heart that we can work through it. And, uh, as long as we, we pay more attention to one another and listen a little bit more. And, uh, and I think there's, there's a lot of power in um, being real and honest and admitting where we have fallen short because everyone falls short and uh, including myself, but, you know, I'm grateful in my heart for, you know, the chance to uh, be real about where I've made mistakes in life. And, and, you know, I'm grateful for people that are patient with me and, uh, and uh, my heart is, is, is full. And again, going back to what we mentioned, if there's anything that, that I have learned over the, the past few months, as hard as they've been is when it comes down to it, I've been incredibly blessed and uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. 